the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Heart of Innovation, 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org, in partnership with Abbott. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. We have a really special guest um, this hour. We have Steve Osunsami. He is a reporter for ABC. He put together the most powerful documentary I have ever seen, or I would even hands down say it is the most powerful media I have ever seen on the topic of diabetes and its complication, peripheral artery disease, which is that poor circulation in the legs, those sugar molecules. If you have extras running around, they can get into trouble. They can you know, cause damage to your arteries. And that leads to that healing response, plaque buildup in your arteries. Your blood flow gets restricted because of the narrowing in your arteries. And that could increase your risk for amputation. Thank goodness there are a lot of doctors these days that um, more and more that can open up the narrowed areas of your arteries. But, you know, we're, we're still having, you know, trouble because we have this diabetes epidemic and we have so many patients out there that are just presenting at advanced stages um, where those arteries are pretty tough to open up by the time that they present to doctors. But John, um, before I think we get started, I want to say hello to Steve. Hello. And Steve is going to play just a, a couple minutes of this documentary to get us started. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, this documentary is airing on ABC News Live. It's airing on Hulu. It's got an incredible response. But you know what? Let me go ahead and start it. And we'll just give a couple minutes of it so you can hear the top of it. Um, and uh, I'll stop it at the point where I kind of come in and I can take it from there. Perfect. 40% of individuals don't have any symptoms in their legs. At all. No symptoms at all. I remember getting up, opening the door, and after that, I don't remember anything else that happened. The first thing that I felt were cramps in my calves. It's easier to just tell someone we're going to be performing an amputation and move on. Doctors pretty much said, okay, we're keeping the diet, boy. We amputated. I did have a doctor who came in and told me, you need to pray. In the eight minutes I've been up here, two people have had their legs chopped off. Do I have your attention yet? Patients, especially the black and brown community, are resistant to injections. If you had not had to lose a piece of you, would you be as vigilant as you are now Amputation was a wake-up call. Some people call it the sugar, which is too sweet a name for diabetes. A silent killer that threatens the lives of nearly 30 million Americans who know they have it, and another 9 million who don't. 
and it can be much more devastating than many people might think. When things are working right, the pancreas makes insulin, which helps break down sugar that gets in the blood from things we eat. But a person with diabetes either doesn't produce enough insulin, or the insulin isn't doing its job. Technically, there are two kinds of this disease. Type 1, that nothing can stop, often starts in childhood, where the body produces no insulin at all. And type 2, that we're talking about here, the most common diabetes in the world that's harder to manage than people might think, where the body refuses to use its own insulin to clear sugar from the blood. There are drugs that can do wonders, but old history of secret medical experiments on black Americans doesn't help people trust their doctors. And many people are living in denial or don't even know this has happened until one day something just doesn't quite feel right. And then their heart stops or they suffer a stroke or one of their limbs starts to die. And this is where I tell a personal story. And the story is about my father. Um, my father was a diabetic who uh, was a very stubborn man and um, and was taking medication for his diabetes and he he ended up uh, losing kidney function and he lost his sight um, and was about to lose his legs. Um, I tell the story in this piece, um, you know, hold, holding up a picture of my dad when I was when I was when I was young, where my younger brother had called me home. It, it was actually an intervention. And um and my younger brother, he's five years younger than me. He's like, you know, when you come in the house, I don't want you to say anything. I just want he, him to see someone's there. And my dad, uh, you know, I walk in the house with my younger brother and my dad says, uh, who's that? Who's there? You know, and he's trying to because he was in denial and he's pretending that he can see me. And he thought that I was the friend of my younger brother. And then it wasn't until I started talking that um, he knew it was me because, you know, I live in another state. And I remember looking at his feet and they looked it, you, you, they look, he looked like his feet looked like um, like he was on the walking dead. Um, they, yeah, they, they just looked they looked dead. I mean, they, they looked dead. And I just, you know, I remember just I was just really just really, really emotional. And so he also now, of course, because his feet, he has circulation, he's about to lose him. He can't really walk. And the last few years of his life, he, he needed a wheelchair. But anyway, we go to the, the kitchen and I open the fridge and what do I see? You know, um, grapefruit juice, um, you know, um, uh, soda, uh, starches, all those things that, a man who has been diagnosed with diabetes knows he shouldn't be eating, right? And I'm pulling them out of the fridge and I'm throwing them in the garbage just right there. I'm, you know, we're having a moment here. <laughs> and he told me, he's like, you know what? I said, why are you, why are you doing this? Why, why do you have these? And he said, well, the medicine will take care of it. That's what he told me. Yes, the medicine will take care of it. And of course it didn't. He died in that house. Um, you know, he ended up uh, because he, um, you know, he didn't, his feet were, you know, he was about to lose his legs. 
he fell down a flight of stairs, hit his head um, um, uh, and died in the home uh, before he could have his legs amputated because that's where he was really close to having his legs amputated. Um, my father was uh, an inspiration for this report, as were the relatives of about a dozen people who worked on this half hour special, this mini documentary special, uh, who all had someone in their lives who either suffered from diabetes or had complications as a, as a result of diabetes or needed an amputation as a result of those complications. We had more than a dozen people working on this piece. And, you know, for those who, you know, people who watch it, you'll see tributes to those people at the end of it, at the end of the half hour, because we dedicate this piece um, to those loved ones. Uh, Kim, it is, uh, I, I really appreciate that you recognize the power of the storytelling that we do here. Um, you, you know, it was very important to me that this not be um, just a rote medical uh, story. And yes. you know, I tried, tried very hard to make sure that you understood the emotion of the people we're introducing you to, the challenges that they face in terms of managing their diabetes, some uh, the, of their, at their own fault, some of their own, you know, things that they failed at, but also that you understand the systemic um, reasons for this rise in amputations that we were seeing in certain parts of this country. I'm coming up right here on the Heart of Innovation. We'll have more of Steve's story. Stay with us. You don't want to miss it. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back to the show. We are talking to Steve Osinsami. He is the reporter for Severed, ABC News Live's program, based on the experiences of patients suffering from diabetes and its major complication known as peripheral artery disease, which is poor circulation mainly in the legs. It is a disease more prevalent and deadlier than all cancers combined except for lung cancer. And yet it is one of the most debilitating diseases most have never heard of, yet impacts one in three diabetics over age 50, one in five adults over age 60 mm-hmm. and too many doctors are brushing off textbook symptoms of leg pain 
leg cramps, neuropathy, and numbness as old age, diabetic neuropathy, fibromyalgia, and even sciatica. Hmm. Diagnosed and treated soonest, there's so much that we can do in a conservative way. But because it's not happening, too many patients, especially in communities of color, are ending up with amputation. We've got to stop it. And I think that this documentary has the power to spread awareness and have the impact and create the change that we're all looking to see. We have with us Juanita, who also has PAD, who has undergone an amputation, and she is our guest patient co-host for this episode. I want to introduce her in because she wants to um, share some insight, her perspective, and ask a question of Steve. Go ahead, Juanita. Steve, first of all, I want to thank you for joining us with this conversation, and thank you for um doing the reporting, the great reporting that you do. I heard you mention about your dad and his feet looking like, you know, the grateful dead, death. And, the walking and, dead. The, yeah, the walking dead. Yes, yes. Right. And in my case, it started out looking like a mosquito bite at the top of my foot. A tiny mosquito bite that turned into, and mind you, I was going to the doctor trying to figure out what that was because it got worse as as it, time went on, as you can imagine. But I couldn't understand why would they allow my toes to turn totally black and then want to amputate instead of helping me and, and giving me the knowledge to where we could do something better. And not only... Um, did that happen? And I got all five of my toes amputated. And then I got my foot amputated back twice again. Um, I do have pad peripheral artery disease. Um, I had a, a physician to put stents in my, I had a bypass and I had stents put in above my navel. And now, and because I'm a tiny person, I'm five, three. I was 120 pounds. And because he put these stents in me and he placed them in wrong, whenever I bend over, if I move a certain way, I can feel these stents. Yeah, it's so awful. Yes. And it's horrible. The things that I went through, the things that I should not have had to experience because I was putting all my trust in my physicians, thinking that they were going to be, you know, there to help me to save my toes, to save my piggies. And mm-hmm. now I'm having um, PTSD by going to doctors here in Maryland because this is where all of my trauma began. I had to move to Michigan mm-hmm. in order to get my life saved. Um, so this is a difficult conversation. And what I don't understand is why is it that We have so many, and God knows cancer is a horrific thing in itself. But why is it that we have so many reports out on cancer, but yet when we talk about peripheral artery disease, it's like we're talking a foreign language. People don't know about peripheral artery disease, and they think it's sugar. And us as as, um, African-Americans, you know, I'm from the South. And everything is put sugar in and everything is spicy and everything is, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I don't. Would, un- I, would, 
I would, there's a lot you've shared there. I would share a couple things. Um, there's one though, that's very important. And that is the comparison between um, other diseases. Mm-hmm. I think part of the difficulty with diabetes is it's a, it's a silent, slow, you know, it's a sneak attack. Mm-hmm. And then by, you know, um, heart disease has the drama of a heart attack, right? Mm-hmm. We, yeah. it's, 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 we even say it in our culture, as serious as a heart attack. Right? Yes. We yes. all know if your heart stops, you die there. You know, mm-hmm. you can die right there. And mm-hmm. with diabetes, there's no, there's no version of the heart attack, right? Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no, people don't, they don't, they don't get, it, there's not this mental connection to what the harm is. It's not as, mm-hmm. and it moves. The other thing with diabetes is, you know, the, 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 the suffering or the, the, uh, the poor management of the disease and un, not treating it now, the damage comes later, you know, much, mm-hmm. right. much later. It's like a train that's kind of coming you know, and I think that that's some of what the difference is. It just doesn't have the press, frankly. That- well, you know, I, I guess what I would say, too, is that it doesn't have a face. Mm. And Steve, you have a platform. Yes. Speak and you can send your message to millions of people. We send our message probably to thousands of people. Um, mm-hmm. But I've said this for a long time. When uh, if, if you want to eat, if you felt a lump in your breast, that would set off so many bells and whistles in your head that you would. OK, you know, I mean, for example, a, a mammogram that gets done, you know, if there's something wrong with it, it gets, uh, you know, you get the next step, next step, next step, next step. You mm-hmm. noticed something wrong with your toe mm-hmm. and you probably didn't know what it was. And maybe mm-hmm. the physician didn't know what it was, but that doesn't set off alarm bells. And it only the alarm bells go off when you're missing toes, and then they go off even louder when you're missing your leg. And that's where we fall short. We don't have, I, and I don't, and this comes off wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway. Mm-hmm. Cancer, well, PAD is not sexy. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, not that cancer's sexy, but it just, I don't know, I, and. You guys in media know better than me, but there's just something about it that people can get their arms around and rally behind. And that's what we need to do for PAD. I know I'm what curious. you're saying. Uh, I have. So I I've had prostate cancer. Um, so, yeah, I've had prostate cancer and I'm pre-diabetic and my, you know, and uh, and it's it's much easier to explain cancer um, uh, around the board, you know, even across cancers, you know, people get it that, that essentially you've got something that's taking over the body and it kills you. Um, it's harder with diabetes to explain it and explain what the problem is. And because diabetes, the complications come essentially from blood vessels that are weakened and in the brain, it's a stroke. In the heart, it's a heart attack. And in the limbs, it's PAD. Um, it's harder to to get people to wrap their heads around what's really happening and and how bad it is. And you're, you're right um, that we do in this documentary put a face to it. And, um, and as we were putting it together, I remember one of our editors, um, you know, because we it's, it's a very collaborative process how we produce these things. 
And so I write the script. I'm the writer and, and, and I select the sound and all of that. But sometimes someone in the edit room will say, you know, we're missing this. And one of the things that one of the editors came back to us in the process was he wanted us to really underline to people in this what it what how it changes not just your life, but the life of the people who care about you when you lose a limb or when you lose toes. And that was one of the things that we did to sort of help drive home the seriousness of diabetes and PAD. Mm -hmm. Coming up right here on The Heart of Innovation, I am really curious about, you know, with with so many media not um, latching onto this as they do with cancer. I'm curious um, what his fight was like to get this process to build this documentary underway. So stay with us. Three years ago, my symptoms started with leg pain and leg cramps while walking. Me too, with a tightness in my calves. Well, do you know, my doctor thought that my leg cramps were a side effect of the statin he prescribed me. Well, my doctor just brushed them off as another symptom of old age. Mine thought the pain was radiating from my spine. My doctor blamed my neuropathy on diabetes until I got a wound on my foot that just wouldn't heal. Yeah, it turns out we all have peripheral artery disease, also known as PAD. It's plaque buildup mainly in the leg arteries causing poor circulation. For me, the diagnosis came too late and I lost my leg, but that does not have to happen to you. No, it does not, because there are treatment options available if you're diagnosed early enough. P.A.D. Peripheral Artery Disease. If you've been experiencing leg pain, leg cramps, or neuropathy when walking, and your doctor isn't hearing you, we are. We are the Way to My Heart, the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients. And we want to help you get back on your feet again. Visit our website at thewaytomyheart.org or call our LegSaver hotline, 415-320-7138. Your Life and limb could depend on it. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This show is all about and Powerful documentary put together by Steve Osinsami and his team with ABC on peripheral artery disease and diabetes. Um, and we have a question coming in from someone in our audience. Frank, what is your question for Steve? Sure. Thanks, Kim. Uh, hello, Steve. And hello. thank you for coming coming out to Chicago to include uh, Mr. Starks as one of your interviewees. Uh, yes. He did a great job as a pad warrior. On your show. Uh, I hope the uh, documentary stays on the ABC News Archive and on Hulu so that a lot of people get to see it for a long time. I'll be sharing the link uh, for a while. It will stay on Hulu for at least a year, uh, and it will always be available on abcnews.com. And it'll be on Hulu for a year. It's now airing in repeat on ABC News, ABC News Live, our streaming channel, which okay. you can get on a whole bunch of different places like I just was looking. And here's the thing. It's actually doing fairly well for a medical story. And that's wow. really good news. Yeah. That's great. It was, it was, yes. It was really well done. And did you have a question, Frank, for him? Go ahead. Yes. uh, Here in Chicago, I have a lot of choices between hospitals and medical clinics. 
And yet when my turn came, I didn't take advantage of that. And so I ended up in the hands of a non limb saver who went the conventional way, angioplasty, stents, bypass, and then, you know, don't worry, you'll be fine. We'll get you a great prosthetic. So now I own a prosthetic on my right leg. And uh, the show really brought to light a lot of these difficulties about asking questions or seeking a second opinion. Steve, are you also getting that feedback after uh, the program aired? Yes. Um, we're hearing from a lot of people um, who share that. And, you know, and I, it's as we shared in the documentary, it can be a tough call. It can really be a tough call. And, you know, JB, who you talk about, you know, he even said it. He's like, you know, these some of these doctors, they they don't know whether or not you're going to make the lifestyle changes that are needed to support whatever sort of saving of your limbs that they're able to do. They don't know that, you, you know, you look, let's look, look at my father as a perfect example. You know, I know that it had he had a vascular surgeon who attempted to save his legs i don't know that he would have done the work necessary to make that surgery successful or those treatments successful so that he wouldn't end up losing that leg anyway mm-hmm. and so it's a it can be a tough you know and john i'm curious what he has to say about this it can be a tough um call for physicians um, but at the same time, you know, one of the, the the big problems we have is this sort of unconscious bias that it's just easier to cut. It's easier to you know, it's 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 easier to cut and it's harder to explore the options to it's harder to get a patient to make some of the changes they need. It's harder to put a stint in. It's harder to go in and remove plaque from, um, you know, from blood vessels. Um, those are harder to do in many instances. And so I, I do encourage people, you know, it's, it's also, here's another thing that's difficult. It's tough when you're in the middle of the crisis, right? Yes. To then, yeah, Kim, right? It's tough when you're in the middle of the crisis to then say, oh, shoot, I need a second opinion when you've got gangrene set in, right? Right, and you're in uncongenable pain. That's I a mean, hard I've time. had patients, right. We have, um, you know, one of our advocates for our organization, legendary Harlem Globetrotter, Larry Shorty Coleman, who had his leg amputated. And, and he said, I was in so much pain. I just said, doctor, I don't care. Just cut it off because he couldn't fathom that anything they could do, medication, intervention, surgery, nothing. He didn't think that anything could have rectified or brought him any sort of relief. It wasn't until he ended up on deck for his second leg that he ended up finding the Global PAD Association and we were able to get him a second opinion and fast. But it's you're right. You're in the thick of it. The doctor's in front of you saying, it's either your limb or your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to do this now. Yeah. It's really uh-huh. hard in under those circumstances to then say, OK, I'm going to get a second opinion. OK, I'm going to go see if I can find a vascular surgeon who can help. OK. You know, at that point, you would hope that by that point, they know what the circulation levels are in your in your in your legs. 
I will say this, and we haven't talked about this yet. Um, It's one of the things that we talk about in our special. You know, there is a simple, 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 simple test. Simple test, right? Super simple test that, that people who might be at risk can take that will give you a good heads up. And it's called the ABI. Um, and even simpler, two fingers, two seconds can save life and limb. Just feel my feet, touch my leg yeah. pulses. Yeah. Those uh-huh. pulses with your fingers, even alone, will tell you so much. Yeah. Let me let me um, comment on the the question from Frank, and then your your response about mm-hmm. it's easier or not easier, but sometimes physicians will say, "Well, I don't think the patient's going to get the ball across the goal line, even if I do something." You know, I struggle with that, but I've come to terms that I don't feel like I have, and this is just my opinion, but I don't feel like I have the right to make that decision. Mm -hmm. If if you've got somebody who has a gunshot wound who robbed a store, Mm -hmm. you're going to save their life, most likely. Um, Mm -hmm. You pass, you know, let other people pass judgment on them. And I say this to family members all the time. If because family members will say, you know what, I don't think dad or mom or uncle Jimmy has it in him to, to, to do what needs to be done. Uh-huh. My thought is let's, let's make him or her decide that that's, that's a decision that they have to make. I'm going to do what I can. And I say, as long as you're going to fight for your limb and let me help you save the piggies, I will do it for you. Uh-huh. Now to the point of it's easier to cut. I'm not a surgeon, right? So I don't think that way. And I don't know that a lot of, I maybe surgeons think that way, but I just, I feel like, there are opportunities. Every patient has an opportunity for a second opinion. There are a few cases where someone is so sick with a dead leg that it has to come off right away. But there's a lot of times you can get somebody transferred and you, you can get them to the right physicians if you have enough uh, wherewithal. And that's what your documentary, I think, is doing. Here's one question for you, John. What if you have someone who comes into an emergency room, has no insurance, um, and they are presenting this way and, and it's a, and it's a judgment call. How much harder is it to take the extra effort to explore the options about what vascular you can do for these people to save a, a limb or toes or anything like that? So th- this is my experience. I work for a large health system in central Ohio. I'm in Columbus. Mm-hmm. I, I've, never had to deal with whether or not somebody has insurance when they may walk through the emergency room. We do deal with insurance issues and patients not having the right insurance, trying to come in to see me as a second opinion from out of state, which is Mm -hmm. that that troubles me. But you walk into emergency room, you need to be treated. And a lot of times you come into our health system, we're kind of the hub. People will be transferred into our main hospital and we will do the work. So that, and that hasn't, those that thought has never crossed my mind. Maybe it does uh, in other people's situations, but that's I deal with that every day. I actually deal with that every day. I just had a patient I was on the phone with at two o'clock in the morning um, emergency room. They had that same situation, traveled from Philadelphia, had a great limb saver there, didn't get their insurance squared away as they were moving mom out to California. And suddenly mom ends up with acute swelling in the leg and needs to be treated at the emergency room, they find the Global PAD Association, give me a call and said, and I was walking her through how to, you know, the questions to ask. 
everything so that they could get the right treatment, get them out of the emergency room. And we were able to get them on a holiday, actually Monday, to an office-based lab that actually was willing to do the case pro bono. And then we were able to work with them on getting their insurance squared away. But a lot of hospitals and the patients need to know to ask for this. They need to know to ask for a social worker. Please you know, summon a social worker, get them down here, because normally um, they're able to help work with the patient on getting some sort of emergency insurance in place. And so care should not be determined based on insurance. It should be determined based on what is best for that patient to improve their quality of life and get them back on their feet. You know, uh, Dr. John, you you said, I'm sorry, Steve, you said Mm -hmm. something. Let me when I found out I was diagnosed with diabetes, it was 2000, the year 2000. Once I found out I had diabetes, and that's because I worked in the restaurant industry, owning restaurants or whatever. But once I found out that I had diabetes, I changed immediately everything mm-hmm. about my eating habits, the way I, <clears throat> everything, I changed it. So for someone to come along later and not being willing to work with me mm-hmm. to maintain my health and just not look at me as just a file or a record or a number, but actually look at me as a human being that is fighting for my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to take any advice that is going to, you know, prolong whatever else would happen to me. Me thinking that I would have any type of an amputation never occurred to me. And once I got that amputation, I was grieving. It's like a death. When you're born with something and you someone takes it away from you, it's a cut off. You have a grieving period. I'm still not over mine. But the thing is, no one should just assume because they have peripheral artery disease or diabetes that they're not willing to put the work in in order to help save their own lives. Mm. It's not us. It's not me that's not willing to save my life. It's the doctors that I was dealing with were not willing to help me to get to the next level in my life. You understand what I'm saying? I do. I'm going to have you pause right there. We're coming up on a break, but stay with us and we'll continue our conversation when we get right back. Sure. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. I don't want to uh, spend any time waxing poetically. So, Steve, tell me about your answer to or your comments to to, uh, Juanita's uh, questions. Um, My comments are uh, I want to be very careful about... Um, painting a, a broad brush uh, with that was Juanita's experience with all doctors. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, I want to be careful about that. However, um, there is a lot of information out there about the differences in the racial makeup of, of the physicians who are dealing with patients, how that can um, uh, play a role in unconscious bias and the conveyance of information of necessary information to patients. Um, it's a, it's it's a 
It goes back to simple advice in terms of asking questions. And then the other thing, at least, you know, and I can speak to my personal experience is, you know, I was, you know, I selected, you know, a doctor who I knew I'd be comfortable with and had a relationship with and, and there wasn't any mistrust between Mm -hmm. me and my physician. And, but that was something I did ahead of time. It wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't in a situation where now we're in a crisis and, you know, and I don't know whether I can trust that person. I had that done ahead of time, you know, and so I had a, you know, and I, in terms of when I've dealt with my issues and and I would encourage that for everyone listening now, which is, you know, find a family doctor you like. Make sure it's the type of person who you can talk to and be honest with and who's going to be honest with you, who you'll listen to. You know, all of those things are um, um you know, uh, super important. Steve, can we switch gears real quick? How did you, Kim and I were talking about this. I get the sense that pitching a medical documentary is difficult in mainstream media, particularly one that people don't know a lot about. How did you go through the steps to get this on the air? And, and I imagine there were a lot of road bumps you had to kind of step around. It it was, um, you know, it's tough because, you know, we're talking about a subject, you know, that is hard to show. Right. Because that's the other thing. I work in a very visual medium, um, television and streaming and all that. You got to show things. I think the. it wasn't as hard as you would think um, because I was able to show my people one, one, uh, one thing that, and I'll share this. And this is, uh, this is good advice for anyone dealing with diabetes Um, media and just in general um, public policy makers react to numbers. And when you look at the number of people who are affected by this, We're talking about, I think, what did I say? It was 60 million diabetics we're looking at in America in the next number of years. That's a lot. Pretty much half of America. Yeah. Right. That's That's a lot of people. And when you put it in those terms, you know, when you're saying that we're talking about 60 million Americans are going to be dealing with diabetes. um, That is that's all you got to say. You know, that's a that's a significant population. We broke it down to like 150,000 toes and limbs. When you when you when you phrase it in the the numbers, it it really becomes easier to sell to someone because people, like you said, you know, like you both have been saying, that people don't think of diabetes. Oh, diabetes, you know, you know, it's an old person's disease, right? You know, they they don't they people don't they don't realize the magnitude and the depth of how many people this is affecting. And so that was an easier um, that made it easier for us to do. And we spent a year working on this. We spent a year. Wow. Yes, we spent a year and that was and we shot in Chicago, we shot in Charlotte, we shot in Atlanta. Um, We had our data journalism um, team on this. The other thing that I would say that made it easier is um, when the producer who I worked with and I should have invited her here on this. um, When we pitched this story, the other thing that started happening earlier early on is 
every single person was like, yeah, my uncle, my father, my every single person we kept talking to had someone in their family and not that far who was either had suffered from diabetes, died of it or had an amputation. And that was the other thing. Yes. I'll tell you a very um, um, powerful story. Um, So when I went, I flew to New York. We also shot in New York. I flew to New York to um, shoot what we call a page, which is my on camera um, part of this. And it was with the uh, senior producer who I was uh, working with and the producer. And when I got to the room, the crew was all set up. There was a young woman who is a producer for a different show. She works for World News Tonight. And I've worked with her you know, many, many times, she's very young. And I was, we were kind of meeting in person, even though we've met on Zoom many times. And she was in tears. And the reason why she was um, emotional is because her father had recently died just two, three months earlier as of comp- from complications from diabetes. And he had multiple, wow. amp- he had, I think, two limbs amputated. Wow. And, and the reason why I bring that up is because Part, I encourage anyone who's looking to try to tell this story to just ask the people you're telling it to, do you know anyone in your life who this has happened to? Ask around. You'll find someone who knows someone. And it's just a lot more prevalent than people. It is. Yes. Than people realize. But- and- were they calling it diabetes? So here's my issue is that, and I have this issue with so many of the patients that come our way. Is it, um, is it, so we called, do, are they we just calling it diabetes or are they calling it peripheral artery disease, what it is? Because I think they're doing such an injustice to to these patients by not calling it what it is. I have so many patients that are just being told you need your leg cut off because of diabetes. And when you say that, patients can't go online and look up possible treatment options to open up their arteries and save their legs. So they do think that amputation is the only option. Yeah, it is tough because it is the peripheral artery disease that causes you know, the, 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 the dying essentially of the limb. And I think that, you know, as you, in this half hour, we explain it, right. You know, we, we talk about the relationship between PAD and diabetes and that that PAD is a complication of diabetes. Um, And you can get PAD um, without diabetes, right? You know, that can happen. But in most of these cases, what we're talking about is PA is di- diabetic related amputations. And, um, I do, I do think that, you know, as we talk about diabetes, that PAD just has to be, there's, they're, they're cousins. And, and we have to just, it, you know, know that from the get go and that, um, because, you know, it's just one of the biggest complications, losing your sight, losing your kidney functions or losing your limbs. And, right. and those are the, you know, those are the complications we got to be very serious about. And, and I would I would argue, too, that we need to get in front of 20 year olds and 30 yes. year olds who have yep. family history, not necessarily risk yet. But because once I'm seeing you with a blocked artery in your leg, the proverbial horse has left the barn. Yeah. And this is a progressive disease. And I tell patients, you basically have cancer because I'm not curing this. 
and I'm just delaying things. So we know that in, in people with heart disease, if we get after them at a younger age to help reduce their risk of developing it, making sure they don't become pre-diabetic, getting their cholesterol in control, we can stop this. But I think what you've done, Steve, is now maybe this could be a launching pad for early or earlier aggressive treatment in people who are at risk, as opposed to those who already have it. I have heard uh, since this uh, this uh, half hour special uh, has started airing from two different people who I know who are who um, one in particular who I'm close to who got his A1C and it came back. I think he said it was a five, seven, five, six or five, seven. And um, to your point, John, it is the first time. And so then my next question, he's like, do I need to be worried? And I said, well, my next question is, does diabetes run in your family? And, you know, so we go down this road. Um, I absolutely think you're right. We need young people to pay attention to these things earlier. Um, mm-hmm. To a know that if you're and, and of course, we know that it's that diabetes is that the genetic portion of it is is not as clear as it is with like for example breast cancer or something like that but you know for people to start taking seriously you know their blood sugar numbers and yes. to get cuz i i say this to people who ask and this is just my experience it is much easier to um keep your number from going up than it is to bring it down um mm-hmm. you know once you're up there and the damage is being done you know, it's just a lot harder to bring it down. I would like to share something else. And I'm curious, is Juanita still with us? She is. Okay. Um, so something else we do in this in this special that, uh, Kim, I noticed, you know you noticed, is I was very big about wanting every single person who participated to share their A1C on screen. Um, and so we do that. And so you see at the bottom of the screen what my A1C is with the every single person we talked to. We, I wanted to see their A1C and I asked them for permission to do that. And the reason why I did that is because I think we need, as John points out, these conversations about blood sugar levels earlier and that people need to understand what they mean and what their consequences are long before the damage is done and know what the alarm bells are what the what the levels are. And so uh, the other thing I also wanted in this was I wanted the people we talked with who lost limbs to share with me what their A1C was, you know, when they were dealing with this. And 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 it was really, really surprising. The 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 case in Chicago, JB Starks, I think his highest was a six nine. And he had a six nine A1C, which is high but not crazy high and the thing about it we ended, we ended up having to cut this for time from the piece my highest a1c was a six nine and it just sort of you know it was a, it slapped me in the face that this guy had pad caused by his diabetes from the high blood sugar levels lost a portion of his foot if he hadn't switched doctors would have lost both legs you know, as he said, he said uh, the, the doctor who he saw initially was going to take one leg and probably would have taken the second one and all that happened with a 6-9, you know, who knows, had he been more, you know, proactive about it earlier, you know, could he, could he have avoided that situation? And, and, and that's one of the messages that we get across, you know. Um, we haven't talked about the drugs. Well, and that's what we'll do coming up right after the break, so stay with us. 
Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back to the show. We are talking to Steve Osinsami. He is the reporter for Severed, ABC News Live's program. Um, You know, we need to talk about uh, medication in particular uh, for managing diabetes. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things we learned in this is that Ozempic, which is this, you know, wonder drug for many people, um, how uh, in some black and brown populations, there's a resistance to using it because mm-hmm. it reminds people of insulin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is um, a, a concern and something that I think has to, you know, to that that the, that the public health officials are going to have to deal with. Um, because it is a a tool that works. I think one study, I can't remember what the percentage was, but when we we talk about this in our special, it reduces essentially um, amputations related to PAD by a significant amount. Uh, people who use those 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 um, those class of drugs, and um, and I think that you know um, we of course you know these are new, they're new drugs. But they do appear to work and they do appear to help a lot of people. I'm not saying that's for everyone, um, but it's something that I think we need more of a discussion of in terms of, you know, what are the drugs besides insulin um, that uh, can help people with diabetes and PAD uh, to prevent these amputations. One more question, just that one catalyst, because you could have a million stories. This could have been done two years from now, three years from now. Why now? What was the actual catalyst where you said now is the time for this story to be done? That's a very good question. So the producer who I was working with on this story, what actually started it was an article in the state newspaper And what they did is they did a look, they took a look at diabetic amputations across the Carolinas and mapped out where the most diabetic amputations were taking place by zip code. And Uh that's, yes, that's what caught our attention. We saw that and we did the same, essentially. And what we found is that these diabetic amputations were happening mostly in the South. And mostly in communities that had uh, black or brown populations that were higher than uh, 25%. And so that's what uh, sort of uh, got us into this. I think that's what Johnson and Johnson's working on. They have these heat maps that they're developing. It was a heat map. We saw when you see the heat map, it sort of, you know, it visualizes this in a way that people can understand um, and can sort of digest. Well, we appreciate you. Thank all you right. so much. We're Thank so you. glad you did. We're, we're um, appreciative of all you're doing to spread awareness. And if anyone um, wants to catch that ABC um, live special severed, of course, you can go to. You can watch it on abcnews.com on our website. There's a link there. You can watch it on our streaming channel, which you can see if you have like YouTube Live or Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. Uh, you can also watch it on Hulu. That's an easy place to get it. Please share it. Far and we will place the link on padstories.com. And we will have it on our website as well, PAD Help. 
Org. And if you have any questions after you watch this um, documentary and you need help or a loved one needs help and has PAD or diabetes, please don't hesitate to call our LegSaver hotline at 415-320-7138. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. I'm Steve, uh, Dr. John, we really appreciate all your time. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and Abbott. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.